Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, February 14th, 2020. And on this report, I will take the time I have with you to talk about a few items in the President's budget proposal, which he delivered to Congress last Monday. A letter of explanation accompanied the budget. In his letter, the President reviewed many of the things he considers to be accomplishments during his first term. He closed with a call for unity. Quote, we must work together to renew the bonds of love and loyalty that link us to one another as friends, as citizens, as neighbors, as patriots, and as Americans, end quote. Nancy Pelosi and the other Democrats in Congress probably got a good laugh out of his call for love and loyalty. I can't remember a time in my life when there was less love between those in politics or between those who follow politics than there is now. The term hatred, often overused, sometimes applied to anyone who disagrees with us. But in this case, it is very applicable. Today's politicians really do seem to hate each other in and out of the limelight. This budget proposal calls for spending approximately $4.8 trillion. And this fiscal year, that represents about $1.1 trillion more than revenue. So, despite the accusations, nothing much has been cut. What the Democrats refer to as cuts that will hurt our elderly or our proposals to slow the rate of increase. In his 2016 campaign, the president said the budget would be balanced by the end of his second term, but this proposal that he delivered last Monday calls for spending in deficit for 15 more years. If both sides accepted this budget and followed it faithfully and no recessionary disaster happened, we would continue to borrow large sums of money. For 15 more years, the budget proposes what the president calls spending cuts, but it leaves Social Security and Medicare intact to Democrats have promised to reject the proposal out of hand. The rate of increase in Medicaid would slow by $700 billion over a decade, but Nancy Pelosi will have none of that. As a result, the fiscal problems that have led to huge deficits, despite a booming economy and record revenue from taxes, will continue. Today's Democrats will simply not work with today's Republicans, no matter what the proposal. Therefore, the debt continues to grow. There is so much vitriol between them that nothing can be accomplished with a Republican president and a Democrat Congress. The attitude seems to be, let's get him out of office by any means necessary. Then we can do what we want. The swamp has absorbed the Republicans, just as it will absorb this budget. They will talk for a few months, threaten each other, threaten to shut down the government, but eventually the Republicans will capitulate because they always respond to Democrat attacks with only equal or lesser force, not with overwhelming force of the kind that brings victory. Their goal seems to be just a messy tie rather than victory. The Republicans, other than President Trump, seek approval, and as a result they appear as corrupt as the Democrats the Democrats, on the other hand, do have a philosophy. That philosophy is primarily one of identity politics, and if you don't share their views, you're a Nazi. The Democrats don't seek Republican approval. They seek victory. 
If the Democrats really had the best interest of the American people at heart, they would turn down the volume, turn down the volume of all the hate rhetoric and the juvenile pranks such as tearing up the president's speech and work with the Republicans. They would get much more of what they want that way because the Republicans seeking approval will compromise. I suppose it's more important for the Democrats to have constant conflict, constant division, because they know demographics will eventually give them the victory. There's nothing left but rubble. They will rule the rubble. Those are just a few reasons why this budget won't pass as is. But now, let's look at a few items that will be included in the budget, in any budget that's passed. I want to spend a few minutes talking about one specific item in the budget, and that is what the president calls, quote, preserving peace through strength, end quote, but what is really the Department of Defense. In his letter to Congress, he said, quote, a strong military, fully integrated with our allies, and all our instruments of power enables our nation to deter war, preserve peace, and if necessary, defeat aggression against United States interests. Notice that he did not say defeat aggression against the United States, but instead he said against United States interests. These interests are what I suppose is keeping us in Iraq, in Syria, in Afghanistan. What are they, you ask? Well, that's a good question. He also mentions that our military is to be fully integrated with our allies. What does that mean? I suppose that's how we ended up in a joint effort with other nations to build our new fifth-generation fighter aircraft, the F-35 Lightning II. The F-35 is only a small part of the $750 billion allocated for defense, which was not, does not include approximately $300 billion for security and intelligence. They get a 5% increase, $34 billion over last year first. Let me tell you that having the best fighter aircraft in any war is very important. If you set out to win battles, it's important. It's very difficult to win without control of the air over the battlefield. And the United States has had air superiority since the spring of 1944 when it finally destroyed the last remnants of the German Luftwaffe. Air superiority means having the superior fighter aircraft which can control the battle in the air and on the ground. What I'm about to describe for you then is either a super plane or a super boondoggle. But it's here. It's here now, and it will be paid for one way or the other. The military-industrial complex will be satisfied no matter what. In the early 1990s, the United States began the concept of a fighter aircraft Developed by Lockheed Martin, but integrating allied nations' ideas, the F-35 Joint Strike Fighter was the result. And it is finally coming online with the United States and with allied militaries. The concept was to create one fighter which could fulfill the missions of the Air Force, Navy, and Marine Corps. The fighter would have to incorporate the latest stealth technology as well as vertical takeoff and vertical landing technology, carrier operations, internal armament base with missiles and guns. So all that was to be incorporated into one aircraft instead of making three different versions. The F-35 is being deployed right now on carriers at sea 
and by the Air Force and Marines as well as by other countries. It is estimated to cost $1.5 trillion over the life of the weapon system. So that makes it the most expensive weapon ever built. It starts out 80 to $120 million per aircraft, but by delivery it's more like $400 million per aircraft. Lockheed Martin is to receive $2 billion per year for maintenance with service to cost $31,000 per hour and operating cost of flying the aircraft to be $30,000 per hour. If you send it on a three-hour mission, in other words, you spend about $100,000 plus what it costs for maintenance. The Defense Department had a novel way to keep Congress from screaming about the cost of the F-35 and to make sure that it didn't get canceled. Parts of the aircraft are made in all 50 states, even in foreign countries, so everyone gets their slice of the pie. Everybody makes out. Nobody loses. No congressman or senator wants to be responsible for taking jobs away from this state. There have been many complaints about the F-35, and the Department of Defense has identified nine of them that Lockheed Martin says it will fix before delivery. Supposedly, none of the nine problems threaten the pilots' lives. Those nine are, one, supersonic flight issues, so that when the aircraft goes through the sound barrier, the tail can be damaged by the shockwave. The stealth coating on the aircraft starts to melt. Number two, something is causing it to be difficult to control the aircraft at certain angles in a dogfight with opposing fighters. Number three, problems with pressurization has occasionally caused excruciating pain to the pilots. Four, there have been 883 separate software issues identified. These glitches affect virtually every system in the airplane. Number five, problems with the heads-up display at night has affected the pilot's night vision and his ability to see and successfully land, especially on carriers at night. Number six, the computer systems have proven to be especially vulnerable to hacking. Seven, the battery has a known failure problem in cold weather operations such as in Alaska. Number eight, blown tires on landing can sometimes damage the hydraulic system. Number nine, there have been problems with the aim of the 20 millimeter cannon, which have caused pilots to complain that they can't hit anything. So there you have the problem. So much has gone into this project that it is now, quote, too big to kill. The planes are out in the world. They're out there now with our military as well as with the Allies. Japan just ordered 167 of them. Denmark placed an order as well. The cost for those countries started at $300 million per aircraft but will be $460 million per plane at the time of delivery. I have personally talked to pilots who've flown the F-35, who have landed it on aircraft carriers. They seem satisfied with it. The one complaint I hear them say quite often is that the builders tried to do too much. They tried to put too much into one airplane. Having been a Marine Corps officer myself a long time ago, I worked in close proximity with aircraft, especially in a close air support role, there are things and features on the F-35 that do not make sense to me for that role. The vertical takeoff, vertical landing capability, supposedly a Marine Corps feature. I don't understand it. Why would you need what is basically a helicopter capability in a single-seat fighter? 
It's not like he's going to evacuate casualties from the middle of some jungle. I suppose I can see the need for the F-35 to land on a small LPH ship that normally transports Marines in their helicopters. I suppose I can see that. My other question involves the F-22 Raptor stealth fighter, which has just completed production, is now online, supposedly superior to anything else in the world. Uh, to this point, we have not agreed to share the F-22 with other nations because of the fear of reverse engineering, I suppose. My question, though, is why can't our allies develop their own aerospace industry, build their own aircraft? Wait, I know the answer now. I know the answer. If they did, Lockheed Martin couldn't make as much money. Though some are thought, those are some thoughts about one aspect of the budget proposal that is now before Congress. It helps to explain why the defense portion gets an increase while domestic programs are slowing to, quote, save money on waste and fraud. It's funny, though, that no one ever talks about waste and fraud within the defense budget, nor they question whether we need a weapon system like the F-35 since we just developed the F-22. We always want our military to have the very best, so we should always be searching, always looking, always developing, but perhaps we could review our foreign policy at the same time. What and where are all those threats to American interest that the president talked about? Is it possible that if we were not in Afghanistan and Iraq and Syria, we would have fewer interests to protect? It seems that protection of those interests is one of the leading causes of war. Well, that's my take on the F-35 and on the president's budget proposal. The Democrats usually prefer to operate without a budget, I suppose, on the premise that it's not real money anyway. And if that's the case, why not indulge yourself and indulge your voters? The Republicans will cave, though. They always do. They don't seem to believe in anything worth defending. Finally, folks, if I had no principles, if I had nothing worth going to the wall for, it would be easy for me to outbid the Democrats in the power auction if they want a federally mandated minimum wage at $15 per hour, I could just bid it up to 20 as Tom Steyer recently did. If Andrew Yang wants everyone to have $1,000 per month, I would just make it 1500 If someone proposes free education, why not pay people to go to college? If I'm going to buy power, why use my own money to buy it, as Michael Bloomberg is doing? Why not use your money? Your money, my money, the money of future generations, because that has no limits. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.